Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Hello and welcome to episode 327 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Thank you for joining me today and I hope you enjoyed the bonus interview with the very impressive David Swindle this week. With the many so-called experts constantly commenting on current live investigations recently, I think a number of them could learn from David and other similarly respected professionals who refuse to publicly comment on live investigations, don't you? Also from that interview, a lot of the national newspapers have picked up David's comments about bringing back Crime Watch 2 this week. I know that you're a fan, me too. Moving on, please do let me know who else you'd like me to interview if you would like to hear more of this type of bonus content. Very quickly, this week is another milestone for this podcast, which now has incredibly passed a milestone of 30 million listens. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this show. Okay, so on to today's story, which comes from Bedfordshire and returns to one of our key themes on this podcast, perception versus reality. In this case today, we look at a top surgeon married to a GP with seemingly everything going for him. But of course, in all of our lives, things are not quite so simple as they seem. A huge thank you to listener Louise Ross for closely working with me on this episode. Thanks, Louise. This episode is brought to you by Gusto. Have you tried Gusto yet? No? Well, you really should. They are awesome. Gusto gives you everything you need to create incredible home-cooked meals, including perfectly portioned fresh ingredients, which means that nothing is wasted and everything is there ready for you to cook, meaning you can fit cooking amazing food into your busy schedule. Even better, they deliver everything to your door on any day that suits you, and the recipe cards are super, super easy to follow. But most of all, the food from Gusto always uses fresh, high-quality ingredients, and with over 250 meals to choose from, there is loads of food there that you're going to love. So why not give it a try today, especially when our friends at Gusto have a great offer for listeners to this podcast. Just head to gusto, that's G-O-U-S-T-O dot co dot UK and use the code TRUECRIME. You'll get 60% off your first box and 25% off all boxes for two months. So we both know your life was incomplete without the guest, the month and year game last week. So let's get back on track and set some context for today's story. Top of the UK music charts was Jess Lynn with Hold My Hand. In the US, it was Uptown Funk from Mark Ronson and Bruno Mars, which spent 12 weeks in the top spots. You might know that one. And in Australia, at number two in the singles charts was James Lawton with I Wasn't Expecting That. In the news this month, Barack Obama and Raul Castro met in Panama, the first meeting of the US and Cuban heads of state since the Cuban Revolution. Indonesia executed eight prisoners, including seven foreigners, for drugs offences. And in UK true crime news, loads of jewels were stolen from Hatton Garden Safe Deposit Limited 
in central London in a meticulously planned heist that took place over the Easter bank holiday weekend. Poker player Dave Ulliott died at just 61. He was better known to many of us as the Devilfish. And former Oxfordshire nurse Andrew Hutchinson was jailed for 18 years in an absolutely horrific rape, sexual assault and voyeurism case involving unconscious women between 2011 and 2013, two of which took place at the John Ratcliffe Hospital in Oxford. And finally, 18-year-old Kazi Islam, who was inspired by the murder of Lee Rigby, was convicted by a jury at the Old Bailey of grooming a vulnerable friend to kill two soldiers and buying ingredients for a pipe bomb. So did you guess the month and year? It was April 2015. Today's story centres on a house in the grounds of Luton Hoo, the former Bedfordshire stately home where the Queen stayed for part of her honeymoon. About 35 miles northwest of London, it's now a venue for events. It has a lovely walled garden. You know you're getting older when you really appreciate a walled garden. And it also offers a number of residential properties to let. When we joined the story in April 2015, one of these houses, the Garden Boffy, was being rented for £2,400 per month by a young couple, 34-year-old surgeon Anthony McGrath and his GP wife, 44-year-old Anne-Louise McGrath. The couple had married in 2009 and had four children. They also owned a seven-bedroom house in nearby St Albans, which, if you would excuse me sounding like the Daily Mail, was worth well over £1 million at the time and double that today. They were living in the garden Boffy while the house in St Albans, their dream home, was being totally renovated. It was a convenient location for Anthony's work at the Royal National Orthopaedic Hospital in Stanmore, northwest London. Anne-Louise was doing some GP work at the time, but much of her time was spent looking after the couple's four children aged from 4 to 14, and she also spent a lot of time looking after her elderly mum. Anthony had been brought up in a beautiful 200-year-old Georgian stately home, Somerville House in County Meath, which is near Dublin. This place had been bought by his late father, Joseph McGrath, who was also an orthopaedic surgeon. Anthony's dad had a passion for antiques, and as a young boy, Anthony had developed the same passion, and by now was quite an expert about art and antiques. Anthony had a large collection of antiques, silverware, oriental rugs, paintings, clocks, and Ming vases, don't we all? <laughs> Which were being stored in the cellar of the garden Boffy. On the evening of April the 15th, a devastated Anthony rang Bedfordshire police to let them know there'd been a burglary and much of his cherished collection, including a 19th century Rococo fireplace worth over £30,000, had been taken by the thieves. DC Dave Brecknock from Bedfordshire Police was the lead detective asked to investigate the theft and Anthony told him that over £180,000 worth of their possessions had been stolen. But Anthony was clear that he didn't want the police to come to the house. Instead, he provided a photograph of a broken sash window into the kitchen of the property, 
which he said had been the entry point of the burglars and the exit point where they had taken all the goods away. Anthony felt that this was clearly not a random job, but was carried out by real professionals. There had been no search of the property and nothing else was disturbed. Other valuable items, such as a collection of expensive watches, hadn't been taken. The burglars appeared to know exactly what they were looking for. But how could this have been the case? Who could have tipped them off? Anthony didn't know. But as the hall was worth a massive 180000 plus, as well as the police, the insurance company, appointed a specialist assessor for this investigation due to the value and rarity of the items that had been stolen. Thankfully for Anthony and the family, the items had been insured for the correct amount. But DC Dave Brecknock, like you I suspect, immediately felt uneasy about the situation. An experienced detective like him with so much experience can often have almost a sixth sense for these moments. The first thing that was unusual was that Anthony McGrath was unwilling for the police to investigate the crime, which was the absolute opposite to normal, where householders are desperate for the police to immediately carry out the most thorough of investigations. You'd be the same if you had the misfortune to be burgled, wouldn't you? Me too. But Anthony was very clear that he did not want any police officers to go to his home or to speak to his wife, as she was unwell suffering from postnatal depression. All communication about the burglary had to go directly through him. Although we shouldn't generalise, was this due to the controls that he had in his job as a surgeon? You would have heard, no doubt, that old lawyer's joke that GPs think they are gods, but surgeons know they are. Anthony was also strangely reluctant for any publicity about the break-in, and he didn't want the police to take his case to Crime Watch, which at the time was a place that often led to good results in similar cases. Anthony was also slow in providing details of exactly what had been stolen, but when pushed, he supplied photographs of the stolen items, and Dave, who was interested in antiques himself, was shocked by the quality of goods that had been taken. Jewellery, paintings, clocks, expensive antiques, and the incredible French red marble fireplace with gold inserts valued at over £30,000. Really quite a piece. To progress the investigation, Dave did what he would always do in these cases and made contact with the antiques trade publications to see if any of the items were listed for sale. But strangely, none of them had been and there were no reports from any other sources of the goods showing up to market. So just what had the thieves done with these goods? And Dave was still struggling with Anthony. Despite he and the team visiting the Luton Hugh estate on a number of occasions and speaking to estate managers, he still wasn't given any access to Anthony's house. The estate has a gate at the entrance and CCTV didn't pick anything up. And also it transpired that on the day of the burglary, 13 members of a conservation group called the Walled Garden Society had visited the Luton Hoo estate to work on restorative work on the Walled Garden, which is directly adjacent to the Bothy where Anthony lived. This number of people there would, you would presume anyway, make a professional antique thief 
think twice about breaking into a house close by. Maybe you'd leave it for another day. But despite all Dave and the team's efforts, the inquiry was going nowhere. So the team requested a financial check on Anthony and his wife. And this showed that the couple, despite making a very healthy combined salary, had considerable debts. In fact, they were drowning in their debts. As well as the 2400 a month the couple were paying on rent in the garden Bothy, they were also paying out the same amount on the house in St Albans, while spending at least the same again on their costly renovations. In addition, they had expensive school fees for their four children, and they also, well, Anthony in particular, was keen on splashing out financially despite their dire financial position. One of his recent purchases at the time was a Maserati sports car valued at well over 50000 At the 90-day review of the case, Dave sat down with his boss at Bedfordshire Police to discuss what was happening and he was asked if he was still spinning out that burglary job. Dave said that in all honesty he felt the case was headed for the no further action pile but he asked for more time saying he felt that more digging into the financial aspects could be the key to getting to the bottom of this case. Dave was given the go-ahead to keep going and he arranged for production orders for the bank accounts of Anthony McGraw and his wife. Now that old adage of follow the money is often a good one and the team visited antiques dealers who had dealt with Anthony in the past hoping to find something from the robbery for sale but still nothing Nothing was coming up. This was suspicious, and Dave's suspicions were raised further when one dealer told how Anthony McGrath had told him that he was selling antiques to continue to raise funds for a Syrian orphans charity, which was very odd, as Anthony had no connection with any charity, so it seemed he was lying. Why? And at the same time, the team of detectives were alerted to a key piece of news. They heard that Anthony McGrath had recently rented a van and headed to his family home in County Meath. It was now looking more and more to detectives that there had been no burglary. This had been an insurance scam to raise money to pay off McGrath's crippling debts. But how were they to prove it? By looking at the metadata of the three photographs that Anthony McGrath had provided after the robbery, experts could see that each had been taken in July 2015, just before the robbery, and the latitude and longitude information pinpointed the location of the goods as being the McGrath family home in County Meath in the Republic of Ireland. Surely this had to be significant and much more than a coincidence. And Dave had doubts as to whether the fireplace had ever in fact left Ireland. This information was enough to apply for a search warrant in the Republic of Ireland, and working with the local Garda, the detectives began to plan the operation where the team would execute simultaneous warrants on McGrath's homes in Luton, St Albans and in Ireland. On the day, DC Dave Brecknock was in Ireland, where he and the team from the Garda were let in by a housekeeper. They were in the kitchen chatting away with each other and the housekeeper, when through a slightly open door across the way, 
he saw out of the corner of his eye a red marble fireplace, which he recognised as the one that Anthony McGrath said had been stolen in the robbery in Luton. An expert later confirmed that it was one and the same. At the raid at the house in Luton, a number of items were found that looked like the ones claimed for by McGrath on his insurance. McGrath said this wasn't the case. They were similar but different. And he said that he owned a number of pieces that were similar. But once again, experts were able to show that these were in fact the antiques that McGrath had claimed were stolen. McGrath was arrested and claimed he was totally innocent. But detectives began to delve much deeper into his life and they found that the reality of the life he was living was significantly different to the perception he tried to create. In addition to the insurance fraud of £180,000, detectives discovered that McGrath had made three fraudulent mortgage applications to secure more than £1 million on their two houses by inflating the couple's earnings. These well-planned and sophisticated fraudulent mortgage applications gave him £974,144 in Lloyds Bank loans between 2012 and 2015. It also transpired that McGrath was in fact a 007 wannabe, a James Bond wannabe, who called himself Paddy Bond as he had a string of affairs behind his wife's back. In fact, with one of his mistresses, he had swapped 13,500 texts in just over 12 months between 2013 and 14. His friends and acquaintances spoke of him as an incredibly arrogant and boastful man. In fact, he was always boasting about his sexual prowess to his friends, saying he was excited about, okay, and this is a new one to me, batting the otter. Now, this is apparently a reference to sex. If you can explain it, drop me a note. Never heard of it. Batting the otter. But McGrath wasn't half as clever as he thought, of course, and his wife was well aware of his womanising. When he told her he was going to a conference in Swansea on Valentine's Day 2014, a year before the burglary, she texted him the following reply. What is the exact name of the course and the location so I can look it up and verify that you are genuinely on a course rather than heading off on some Valentine bonk with another? By 2015, the couple's financial situation was desperate to the extent that their bank cards were being declined at the supermarket, the school fees were looking challenging and the renovations on the house in St Albans were potentially on hold. And the tensions this caused in the relationship must have been there all the time and it could be seen in the following exchange. McGrath's wife accused her husband of stealing her iPad from an open car in 2015. McGrath told her to call the police but she said, if you wish to manufacture a robbery you do so, but you don't lie to me. If you bring the police to the house, I'll say I believe it was you unless you tell me the truth and return the iPad. When McGrath told her to tell the police, she replied, no second hit unless you are planning a massive burglary in all your finery. You want to generate an insurance scam? I will tell on you. I will tell. Telltale tit. Unless you return my iPad. 
As you can hear, the pressure was growing on both of them. Anthony and Anne-Louise McGrath both faced trial on a variety of counts. At the end of a four-month trial at Lowton Crown Court, which cost the taxpayer more than half a million pounds, Anthony McGrath was found guilty of four counts of an insurance scam fraud, perverting the course of public justice and three charges of mortgage fraud. He was branded arrogant and greedy by a judge who called it a very sorry tale. For this, he was sent to prison for nine years. His wife Anne-Louise was acquitted of the mortgage frauds after telling the jury that as a busy mum raising their young children, she left family financial matters to him. She claimed ignorance of what he'd been doing when making the dodgy mortgage applications, which had been backed by forged documents, which lied about both their salaries. She was also cleared of keeping items of jewellery her husband was claiming for on the insurance and selling at auctioneers a pair of earrings which were part of the claim. Just to be absolutely clear, Anne-Louise walked out of the court a free woman. But the trial was an ordeal for her, as she heard further details revealed of the number of affairs McGrath had had during their marriage. In fact, at one stage in the trial, he admitted to not knowing the number of women he had cheated with and tried to excuse his betrayal by suggesting that he was starved of love at home. Anne-Louise burst into tears at one stage during the trial when it was revealed that he'd even pursued women when they were trying for a baby. And he only told her when the issue came up in court. Addressing McGrath for sentencing, the judge said, This is a very sorry tale of a very talented Mr. McGrath. Through your talents, you rose to be a successful orthopaedic surgeon and fell through greed and arrogance to where you sit today. The judge said that the fraudulent mortgage applications demonstrated breathtaking brazenness with the forged and false documents he had produced. Your dishonesty knows no limits because even after you gained financial assistance, you still needed more money and that led you to make a fraudulent claim for a burglary. Because of your arrogance, you didn't think an insurance company or the police would question a man of your standing, she said. But the arrogant McGrath wasn't even in court to hear his final sentence. Halfway through the sentencing, he interrupted the judge, shouting, You suppress the information. You have abused your power as a judge. He said the jury had not heard the truth and continued, You talk to me as if I am a child. Shame on you. He then stormed out. I think it's fair to say that McGrath wasn't feeling any remorse for what he had done or the hurt that he had caused to so many people. After the sentencing, Detective Constable Dave Brecknock, who, as we have heard, led Bedfordshire Police's investigation, said, Despite the complexities of the case, the motive was simple. This conniving and deceitful man intentionally broke the law in order to gain hundreds of thousands of pounds. But this goes to show that no matter who you are, how clever you are, how clever you think you might be, you cannot get away with breaking the law. If you commit crime for your financial gain, then you would naturally leave some kind of evidential trail behind you, as was the case with McGrath. 
and this result proves just how determined and thorough we will be in the pursuit of justice. In March 2021, McGrath faced the proceeds of crime confiscation hearing. He was told he would have to pay back almost £600,000 or face another five years in jail. The confiscation hearing was told that his wife had launched divorce proceedings after the surgeon had admitted at his trial that he'd repeatedly cheated on her during their marriage. And the judge at the hearing said that when McGrath had given evidence, he'd been uncooperative and unforthcoming with information. He went on, In short, I found him to be a thoroughly dishonest witness, quite prepared to manipulate and forge evidence and tell lies in court. McGrath, said the judge, had not been prepared to help the court with regard to the value of antiques and artwork during his evidence. No surprises there then. It is unclear whether McGrath paid the money back or faced another five years in prison. So what do you make of what we've heard today? It's quite a story, isn't it? One man who was involved in the case from the moment he was called to investigate the burglary at the country estate just outside Newton was DC Dave Brecknock. Looking back at events at the conclusion of the trial, he said, When I was asked who I'd like to play the role of me in a movie about this case, I laughed and said no one could ever make a film of this. It's too far-fetched. But sometimes, truth is stranger than fiction. And in all my years in policing, I'd never encountered one like this. And you know, when I first heard of this case from Louise Ross, I felt the same. But with all the poor publicity for the police at this time, it's heartening to read of a case sold through good old-fashioned top police work. Now, have you ever watched that programme about surgeons on Channel 4, I think it is? It's an amazing programme, and it can bring you to tears how these people make such a real difference to our lives. And then you have a fraud like McGrath. A respected surgeon is someone you can trust, isn't it? Isn't it? But what this story comes down to today is straightforward, isn't it? An arrogant man who was greedy, spent way more than he earned, and then lied and committed fraud to try to retrieve the situation and his reputation. But of course, like all the stories we hear on this podcast, it is also a terribly sad story. McGrath's alley cat behaviour when his string of affairs was exposed means I have sympathy for his wife, don't you? Imagine that hearing about the behaviour of a husband in court and then seeing it on the papers and even on podcasts like this, imagine. And their children too, they will know the story, they'll hear the details. Will they remain in contact with McGrath, I wonder? And of course, McGrath's undoubted talent as a surgeon is completely wasted as he won't be able to practice any longer. I wonder what he would do on his release as a still young man. Will he lose the ridiculous arrogance after spending time in jail based on his performance at the proceeds of crime confiscation hearing? It seems not. Once again, there are no winners in this story today, are there? No winners at all. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast with the 37th most popular true crime podcast host in the UK, but still aiming 
for the dizzy heights of 36. To discuss this story or any other aspect of UK true crime, please just join almost 90,000 of us at the Facebook group. Just search UK true crime. It's many things. It's never dull. And why not join our fantastic community on Patreon? I would like to thank the new supporters on Patreon this week. That is Warren Nelson, Dawn Ball, Mark Levy, Ryan Charlwood, and Cronny1983. Thank you all so much for your support, which is much appreciated. As a supporter on Patreon, you will be able to access over 50 bonus episodes immediately. There are competitions and other exclusive content, as well as having the chance to suggest and work with me on stories, and all for as little as £1 a month that can be cancelled at any time. So please join us by heading to www.patreon.com slash UK True Crime. So that is all from me for another week. So until we speak again next week, please do take it easy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and despite all the others, I know it's the others, isn't it? Stay classy. Cheerio for now. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs>